For the final time this season, happy Monday. Cougar Nation, welcome back inside Studio B at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah for our week 13 and season finale edition of the Coordinator's Corner presented by JCW's The Burger Boys. Today we're looking back on a regular season ender at Stanford. It was a 35-26 win and gives BYU its first three-game win streak of the season. And on this final show of the season, we visit with Ed Lamb on special teams and Aaron Roderick on the offensive side of the ball. We begin today's broadcast with BYU's special teams coordinator, safeties coach, and assistant head coach, Ed Lamb. Coach Lamb, good to see you once again. Thanks, Greg. Good been, to be here. Been a few weeks for us since we've been on the show. Last time we talked, BYU was actually on a losing streak. All it took was me uh, losing my voice and leaving the country, and suddenly you're on a three-game win streak. Yeah, we appreciate that. A lot, of, <laughs> a lot of additional hard work went into that by the players and coaches, but your yeah. part does not go unnoticed. Yeah, do my best. Um, win number two in this three-game streak was the victory over Utah Tech at home. But it wasn't the cleanest effort, you'd probably say. Did that game actually help sharpen the week of prep for the Stanford game? I think certainly from a, from a defensive standpoint, we've been uh, you know, working through uh, mid-season struggles and, and working toward an identity that Kalani would like to see uh, long-term. And so we were able to, in the Utah Tech, test out some of that identity and, and then um, you know, try to balance that with the thing that worked. And... Um, I think going into this game, there was a better balance, and uh, we were able to become uh, more aggressive in the way that I think Kalani uh, envisions this defense moving forward. And uh, we're, we're able to get some uh, some pressure on the quarterback. Yep. It didn't necessarily show up in the quarterback's numbers, but uh, you know I think the guys could very easily make the uh, linear connection between how tight we're playing our coverage and whether or not completions were made. We were able to get after the quarterback a little more than we have, ended up with uh, more sacks, uh, higher sack rate, havoc rate than we've had before and did a really good job shutting down the run. Cardinal were coming in on a four-game skid themselves. They were struggling to score. Uh, how would you characterize your game plan going into the Stanford game? What did you think you could do well, maybe on both sides of the ball? Well, it's, you know, Every week, it, it is about stopping the run first, or at least stopping the rush efficiency of the opponent. Uh, a triple option team versus a spread team, there's going to be some different numbers involved in that, but it's about shutting down the efficiency of the offensive run game. That's where it started. We put, uh, we put uh, a lot of guys in the box, put a lot of guys on the line of scrimmage. According to their formations, there's always something that the offense can dictate uh, along those lines. And then, uh, and then wanted to play, you know, tight, aggressive, man-to-man -man coverage. And at, at times it was there. Uh, one of the things about man-to-man -man coverage is you can have uh, three or four guys covering really well, and then, and then one guy gets beat. And, and if the quarterback's able to find that guy, then, you know, it's the, like I said, the linear connection between uh, the coverage and the effort and whether or not it worked. It's easy for the players to connect that. And certainly Stanford's running back room at the start of the year uh, was different than it was but by the time they got to game 12. They were down on numbers there. They have been. They've, they've, yeah. they've, uh, they've been through the injury uh, bug this year uh, quite a bit, and I think that hampered their efforts along the offensive front and at the running back spot. Safety room for you, uh, your position group, getting sparse. Uh, no Ammon Hanneman this week for you to start the game. Yes, there, there's been uh, some issues in that uh, safety room all year long, starting with uh, Malik, who mm -hmm. we really thought was going to have a big season and uh, uh, continuing where he left off the season before. And then Ammon's been in and out of the lineup. And Matt Criddle, we missed him for a pretty good chunk of the season as well. And he's always had such great depth and leadership to what we do. So the young players have had to step up. Talon Alfrey and, and uh, Micah Harper have shared the load. Ethan Slade has uh, been in there quite a bit and done a nice job when he's called upon. But it's been, uh, it's been tough from an injury standpoint at that position as well. Saw some Dean Jones as well. 
Dean late got, in the season? Dean got his first uh, action. Yeah. He, he's another one. He was not available during training camp, and I think he would have been much higher on the depth chart much earlier in the season had he been healthy. Uh, I, thought he, I thought he did some really nice things in the game, can have a lot of momentum going into the offseason. It was a game with only eight possessions for both teams. Week before, eight possessions in the first half. Very interesting game that way. It was, uh, you know, I think uh, Stanford uh, was, was trying to work their, their run game and their precision passing game. BYU's always trying to do that. The run game was working for us. And so, you know, the clock just keeps rolling after a run play and it doesn't do that on yeah. many pass plays. First half for BYU, offensively at least, Ed, was uh, close to perfect. Uh, four drives, four touchdowns, uh, allowed 12 points. I don't think the Cardinals' last three points of the first half should have been allowed to happen. Yeah. Let's maybe break down what happened at the end of the first half. I, what I thought should have happened was, and this is not this is not the play we're talking about. This came this is earlier, but uh, they complete a pass with one second on the clock by my visuals, which should have stopped the clock to move the chains. Yeah. The clock should have restarted when the ball was set. There's no way the field goal team gets set at that point to kick with one second. Yeah. But because the clock went to zeros. Now the official calls a timeout, puts one second back on, and now the clock has stopped, the field goal unit's out there, right. and now they might be in position to do it, then BYU calls a timeout on the other end of it. Very strange end of the half. Yeah, straight out of the home clock operator's uh, playbook for success. Let it run down? Yeah, yeah the yeah. officials didn't have a choice. At that point, they have to allow the, uh, to put the second back on the clock because they knew there was, a, they knew there was yeah. time at the point that the tackle was made. Um, yeah, so, so at that point, there really there was no way they weren't going to get the snap off because the official will literally uh, and then know, the snap will happen and, and do the whistle and the snap would happen. So they easy for a field goal st- uh, team to go out there, be completely set and ready to go basically on the whistle. Yeah, so it ended up being 28-12 at halftime. Going into Stanford, BYU was 18-1 and when leading by 14 or more at halftime under Kalani. That number is now 19-1. and BYU doesn't give up comfortable leads usually. You, you do a really good job holding it. Well, we've been uh, very efficient in the run game uh, through a lot of that streak, and, and we were on Saturday night. And I think that was the key is uh, the defense was able to, really the whole game was re- able to rest, adjust, punch, counterpunch. I think Stanford was very much in a mode of um, you know trying to check the line of scrimmage, trying to see what the defense was doing. And it really was adjustment and after adjustment back and forth from, from the Stanford offense versus BYU defense uh, standpoint. And our offense really helped us to make a lot of those adjustments with giving us the time on the sideline. Break time now in the coordinator's corner. We head to break with a reminder to watch BYU basketball with Mark Pope. It's Wednesday night this week, Wednesday at 8.30 Eastern, 6.30 Mountain. After this week, we're back to our regular Tuesday schedule. But the Cougs are on the hardwoods tomorrow night, so we're shifting to Wednesday for this week. Coming up after our break, some more thoughts on the Stanford win with our special teams players of the week as well as we continue with Ed Lamb on the coordinator's corner right after this. Stay with us. Shotgun snap, Jaron, handoff, Hinkley. Hinkley, nice sidestep. Hinkley gets second level. Hinkley shakes off tackles. 25-20, 15-10. Go, Hinkley, go! Touchdown! Hinkley Ropati! And the Cougs go up 13-3 with the PAT pending. That was a fun run. All right, that was Saturday night. Welcome back to the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. BYU Cougars concluding their 2022 regular season with a 35-26 win at the Stanford Cardinal on Saturday night. Next up for the Cougs, a bowl game and opponent uh, to be determined. Coordinator's Corner continuing now with BYU Special Teams Coordinator Ed Lamb. We see an offensive highlight there, but a defensive note. You mentioned it in the first segment. uh, One sack over the preceding six games total, then three sacks at Stanford. Did you guys think you could get home on Tanner McKee? going in we did yeah a much different style of passing attack there are games uh 
this is not to justify the lack of sacks over the previous few games. I don't want anybody to misinterpret what I'm saying, but there are teams that, that will only drop back pass less than five times a game. And Stanford is a drop back pass team typically around 15 to 25 mm. times per game. And so we really felt like we'd have that opportunity to get there in, in those five-step uh, drops. Okay, never trailed in the game on Saturday and no giveaways. There were a few short yardage and fourth down issues, but overall a pretty comprehensive win. You lead by 12 at the break, you win by nine, and it's always nice to end the game in four-minute mode, which was longer than four minutes this time you end the game with the football. Yeah, it was, it's, it's a fantastic feeling for the whole team. And that's, you know, generally you, you look at a sideline, take a snapshot. There's teams on the bench, make, players on the bench making adjustments. Coaches are very busy. But in that four-minute mode, it's, it's all up. And, and we, everybody knows what every play means for the whole team and, and the effort to win. And that, that's such a fun way to end a game. Against Utah Tech, 11 penalties, 132 yards at Stanford zero penalties. Uh, BYU's first penalty-free game in almost 60 years. How significant was that that came in, in this game? Yeah, I didn't re realize it at the time, uh, of course, but, uh, you know, just, just in, in the mode of the game and penalties are penalties. There's mm -hmm. not much to do about them in that, in that moment, at least most of them. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a, uh, after the game to take a look at it. That, that certainly helps uh, extend some drives, you know, where we're not putting ourselves behind the chains and defensively, you know, not to bail somebody out on a pass interference. That's the one that typically hurts or late right. hit, something like that, face mask that get, continues to drive. Special teams notes now. Uh, Jake Oldroyd slipped and fell on the dewy grass on his first kickoff, and I don't think he handled any more kickoffs on the night. What happened there? Uh, he did, did not feel confident. He's, he is such a powerful strider, and that grass just wasn't holding up. He, he thought it might not uh, in the, from his pregame warm-ups, hmm. but uh, at, the, at a regular game pace, he just wasn't able to do that. Uh, Cash Peterman is a little more of a deliberate strider on his kickoffs, and so, you know, he, he, one thing about Jake is he is for the team, and he immediately came over and, and said, you know what, what do you think, Coach? I mean, I feel like I can do the field goals. And, but, but he didn't hurt himself there, right? He didn't, it was didn't just hurt a, it was, himself. Okay. He, did, he did at some point kind of got his ankle later in the game, and that was one of the reasons why we, we replaced him uh, with Cash in, in all of the kicking duties. But he just he did like every other player on the team we would expect him to do. He just kept fighting until he couldn't do it anymore. Is Cash the permanent number two right now for this season? Has he replaced Justin Smith that way? or Cash Peterman has nothing to do with what Justin's done or not done, but just talking about Cash, he has come so far from, from really off the, uh, off the active roster almost, if there was such a phrase in college football. Um, mm. you know, he, he had a disappointing training camp, and uh, we were very honest with him about what he needed to do to, to move forward. Gavin Fowler does a lot of that work. And, um, yeah, I, think, I thought Cash just answered the call. He's improved his body, he's improved his technique, he's improved his approach, kept a positive attitude. And so I was, I was really, of course, not glad to see Jake uh, have to take himself out, but glad to see Cash get an opportunity and deliver. How many of the PATs did Jake handle then on the night? Sometimes the 39 and the 99, I, I don't necessarily pay closest attention on that. Did Jake handle all the PATs? Um, I, I cannot. I thought he did. I can't but remember specifically. I think Jake handled it, but, but Cash, uh, after Jake's last one, which was a little shaky, if you were actually looking at his technique, we made the decision to have Cash handle everything else from that uh, point forward. But I don't think Cash actually got a, a PAT. Okay, so Jake, I thought, had all five PATs, yes. which would make him five for five. He has the school record, and he's extending it for most consecutive PATs. And now now he has 332 career points. He's three away from becoming BYU's all-time scoring leader. So with his next field goal or next three APATs or any combination, um, he's the man. And with his next field goal, he'll have 50. And only three guys have had, only two guys ahead of him have had 50 field goals all time. So uh, Jake's on the precipice of some pretty significant milestones and, and career numbers.
so proud of him. This game, if, if we listen and pay attention, it teaches us lessons, the hardships of it especially, and, and Jake has had his hardships and his ups and downs. And um, to, to talk to him and uh, see where he's at mentally right now, ready to move forward in life, uh, with or without football, I'm, I'm just so proud of what he's done. Now, he was honored on senior day with eligibility left, as many do have. Uh, but is, will, will this be it for him, as he said? Or do you know if this is it for him? Or I'm, Kalani and I are lockstep of the opinion that you know these, these guys should have the option to finish the season, have football taken out of their daily lives for at least a few weeks, and get a chance to, to ascertain whether football mm. at BYU is continuing in the plan for them personally. And, uh, and he'll be afforded that opportunity okay. to think about it. Special teams, players of the week. Yeah, I, I recognized six guys. I, I really loved the way that, uh, uh, from a coverage standpoint, we had Carter Wheat, who made a great tackle. He's done a great job for us, so he was one of our top rocks. Morgan Piper did a great job as well as a top rock. George Udo um, was uh, also fantastic in the coverage game. Talmadge Gunther and Caleb Christensen made uh, great blocks on a kickoff return that, that we probably should not have returned. It just wasn't a, wasn't a great ball to return, but we got it out past the 25, and so they made Talmadge right in that situation for okay. doing that. Talmadge and, uh, and Hobbs, correct, and made uh, Hobbs. And then these guys, the special teams player of the game, Carter showed up on kickoff, like I said, made a really nice block shed and tackle. Chris Jackson had uh, part of three tackles on the night, had his best game, I thought, in a BYU uniform. And we got uh, on the defensive side of the well, uh, defensive side as well, we have a defensive player of the week, and it's uh, Lorenzo Falatea was in the backfield uh, for a handful of those sacks you got on the night. Yeah, what a story for him to, uh, you know, he's, he's had his ups and downs with injuries, he's been in and out of the lineup, and uh, for him to be in his final year, a final regular season game against a Power 5 opponent and step up like that and lead for us, um, I, I thought was huge for him on the night. So happy for him and, and you know, the, the D-line in general, I thought really had a good time on Saturday. So on the coordinator's corner all year, we've been rotating amongst the three coordinators, yourself, Coach Roderick, and, and Coach Tuiaki. Uh, and Coach Tuiaki announcing yesterday that uh, he's moving on, and this will have been his last season as BYU's defensive coordinator. And he's been a big part of our efforts here on Mondays. Yeah. And uh, you've shared the table with him all year the, all year, and have shared coaching rooms with him for a number of years. Sure. Um, and, and we shout out and say thank you and a heartfelt appreciation to, to Coach E. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, he's a... He's a Truly love uh, him and his family and, and what they've represented for BYU. There is, there is nobody harder on a coach than uh, the coach himself and us as a coaching staff, the, uh, the fights, the arguments that we get in, um, the things, the, the problems that we see. I mean, everybody was feeling pretty good at 2-0 and uh, after beating Baylor, and yet uh, we, we had serious discussions about how we needed to get better. I can remember mm. it uh, in particular. And so, yeah, you know, I, I think um, we understand the noise and the criticisms that are out there. That's part of the business. But, but from my perspective, I'm so proud to work side by side with with such a hardworking, humble, competent football coach. And uh, he, in in time, he will definitely prove his worth. Okay. Well, we do appreciate him and and the part he played not only with the program but on this show on Mondays. As much as I appreciate you uh, for your weekly visits and uh, and uh, I, I've uh, enjoyed another season with you and thank you uh, deeply for taking the time and sharing your knowledge uh, with us, your perspective with us, and making another great year that way. Likewise, thank you, Greg. Thank you, Ed. All right, time for a break. As we take this time out, a reminder that dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody, from burgers to wings, shakes to salads. JCW's quality and a lot of it in Lehigh, America. 
American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and now open in Harriman. BYU men's basketball plays an in-state game against Westminster tomorrow night in Salt Lake City. Tune in for Cougar pregame live on BYU Radio tomorrow night, 8 Eastern, the tip at 9 Eastern time. Coming up next, we'll hear from BYU's offensive coordinator, Aaron Roderick. This is the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coordinator's Corner on BYU-TV is brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys, Built Bar, Fuel the Journey, and by Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. For one final time in the 2022 college football season, you're in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. BYU now 7-5 on the season and on a three-game win streak after a 35-26 win at Stanford on Saturday. Cougs now set to face an as-yet unannounced opponent in a bowl to be determined. Visiting now with offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach, Aaron Roderick. Coach Roderick, good to see you once again. Good to be here. All right. Uh, wow. Sa- after Saturday, uh, this is a number for you. We'll start with some trivia. Uh, BYU's now... 12-0 in away games and 29-2 in the Sitake era and has won 27 consecutive games when you simply score a touchdown on your opening drive and did it again on Saturday at Stanford. Yeah, we, um, we made a point all week of starting fast. That was one of our goals. We talked about it. We um, did some things to our practice plan to try to get off to a fast start, and I, the guys did a great job with that first drive. And the finishing play, nice run from Jaron. Yeah, and you know, we've been running him a little more lately. Yep. Um, not a ton, but a little more. And our offense just really, you know, the game just opens up so much when he is a threat. There were so many great offensive numbers to highlight from this. Uh, here's one. In the first quarter, you snapped 16 plays. Only one of the plays was a third down. Yeah, that was pretty wild. I, I uh, you know, We were just running the ball so well. We never really gotten into you know, any down and distance issues, uh, I think maybe in the second half a couple times, but yeah. By halftime, it was 30 plays, three third downs, tremendous efficiency in the first half. Yeah, we were um, pretty much doing whatever we wanted in the run game. And, and our, our offensive line, you have to give them credit, they were just dominant. I've, we were taking, uh, you know, some double teams. Some of our double teams were, you know, getting driven off the ball eight, nine yards down the field. and running backs were just having a day. Yeah, yards before contact, right? I think were maybe the best they've been all season. Felt that way, at least. Yeah, um, and we thought we were going to be able to run the ball um, well, and that was part of the game plan. I didn't expect it to run it as much as we did. Um, but when it was going that well, there was no reason to, to throw. It was just keep, keep running it until they can stop it. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, the run game is just a grind, and sometimes the run game produces chunk plays, and that's what was happening. And you yeah. did think it could be a big night on the ground for you going in. Yeah, I did. I thought we were going to control the line of scrimmage, and that was part of the game plan. Um, but I, I thought it was going to be, you know, 25, 30 rushing attempts and 35, 40 passes, and it turned out um, they just couldn't stop us. There was no reason to throw if, if they can't. They can't stop the run. We're going to keep doing it, and yeah. that's that's what we did all night. And um, our offensive line was having a great night, and they were having a lot of fun. And so I wanted to reward them for their. They've they've done a great job all year, and and um, I thought that was a good reward for them to just keep keep pounding the rock all night. And the first two touchdown runs were longer ones. Uh, we saw the Jaron Hall run already, and then I'm not sure if we'll see it again. But then the Hinkley Ropati run, uh, tremendous work by Hinkley, uh, and that longer run, 40 plus yards. Hinkley's a home run threat, and that's, you know, we, we've known that all year. We just, um, it took some time to really work through, you know, some of the issues he had earlier in his career, and then 
I think what we've seen the last few games is, you know, hopefully a sign of what he can be in the future for our team. He's, he's explosive, he has juice, I mean, he can make people miss, and he's got speed in the open field that uh, we've been lacking. And everything you just talked about, we see in one run right yeah, here. Yeah, he's, he's explosive for sure, and so I'm, I'm proud of him for the way he stuck with it and never got down when he wasn't getting a lot of opportunities, and he, now he's making good on his opportunities. Okay, Chris Brooks was, was, was a one-year guy for you, right? Yeah. And, and you lose Peeney. Does he slide to the top of the, of the chart right now, at least I have mean, the best chance to win that job next year? He has a good opportunity, I think, to be you know, an impact player next year, and we'll get Miles going again, too. Miles has been banged up, and he's another one who has, has a lot of ability. Okay. Uh, how, is, is Hinkley similar to backs you've had or backs you've coached that you go, man, he looks a lot like this, or is he kind of his own guy? Yeah, he's, he is his own guy. I mean, he's, he's a really l low center of gravity, um, very strong in the weight room. I mean, the guy is he, he's one of the strongest guys on our team. And, um, but he has speed. I mean, that's the thing that really stands out to me is his ability to, to get out in the open field and run away from people. And, you know, you're always looking for that. Okay, uh, let's take a break. And as we do, we will have a reminder for you to watch after further review tomorrow, 7 Eastern time on the BYU TV app as Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, and David Nixon break down the Cougs win at Stanford over the weekend. When we come back, we'll conclude our conversation with BYU's offensive coordinator, Aaron Roderick. As the coordinator's corner continues, we're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with more right after this. Jaron Hall turns and hands off to Chris Brooks. It's a flea flicker from Hill back to Hall. Hall and open tight end Isaac Rex down the far sideline. And Isaac goes 10-5 and touchdown. A flea flicker and a touchdown. The Cougs go up 20-3. Back on the coordinator's corner, our season finale. Closing show of the 2022 regular season campaign. Cougars now 7-5 on the year after a weekend win at Stanford. 35-26 the final. Next up, a sixth bowl game in Kalani Sitake's seven seasons as head coach and our closing segment with BYU's offensive coordinator, Aaron Roderick. Uh, against Utah Tech, you had uh, eight possessions in the first half. <laughs> and then at Stanford, you have eight possessions for the game. Yeah, eight possessions. Um, and that, that includes the four-minute drive. To end the game. To end the game where we took a knee. So I was really happy with 35 points in seven possessions. Um, I thought that our team did a great job controlling the game, the controlling the line of scrimmage, and then just controlling what we could with our opportunities. Incredible efficiency, and uh, Isaac Rex himself was efficient. Two catches, two touchdowns. We saw yeah. one of them right there. Yeah, and we threw another ball to him in the end zone uh, that uh, got held up a little bit, tried to get him a third one, and um, had, a, had a good chance to get it, but just didn't work out. But yeah, he's, Isaac's, uh, you know, he's a really good player for us. He's been banged up, you know, obviously, uh, well documented the injury he's been dealing with but guy just shows up every day and this little movie put on right here I mean that was impressive yeah uh, it just shows that he's getting healthier all the time like we're getting him getting him back to his old self and this was just a great impro improvisation there by Jaron in a uh, great catch here by Isaac to go up high and find it and it shouldn't be overlooked that he answered the bell every week coming off what he had last year He's one of the gutsiest players I've ever coached. I love him as much as anybody I've ever coached. Just I have so much respect for him and for what he brings to our team. And um, and then, then it's it's fun to see him 
getting back to his old self. Each week he's a little bit closer to what he was before the injury, and I'm just really excited about the future. And already sitting with 20-plus touchdowns, which is nuts. Uh, he talked about it being the anniversary week, if you will, of his season-ending injury from the USC game. Yeah. And he said, yeah, the USC play was actually called at Stanford. It was, yeah. yeah, we, yeah we, we called that play and um, uh, didn't, didn't get the ball thrown to him. But, yeah, same play. Yeah. Uh, Isaac's uh, two second-quarter touchdowns uh, had BYU up 28-12 at halftime. That weird ending to the first half. I know you weren't on offense at the time. Uh, Stanford was, but were you out of the? Were you, I mean, were you, where were you when that play was happening? Uh, and that whole I clock malfunction—not malfunction, but issue. I was in the booth. We were about to go run to the elevator, yeah. and we saw what was happening. And that was a that was an odd uh, way to end the half for sure. And they have a great kicker, so I knew I knew he. Coach yeah. Shaw, Coach Shaw was going to do anything he could to try to get that guy a chance to kick it because. Um, he had just hit from 61 the week before, and this yeah. would have been 54. But again, I think the half should have it should have been a one-second clock and a restart, which wouldn't have given them the time to get the field goal unit up. But because it went to triple zeros, and then they had to, to put a second back on, it allowed them to do what they wanted to do, basically. Yeah, that was a, uh, unfortunate for us. Um, it didn't matter in the end, but... It gave them a little momentum going into yeah. the half, and then, and of course, they, they got the ball to start the second half, so that could have been could have been a big deal if had they found a way to get some points in their first drive but yeah. our defense did a good job stopping them uh so they led led 35 12 at one point uh the lead slipped to, slipped to 35 26 late now while that's happening you're also losing jaron hall at that point in the game what happened there yeah jaron just had a sprained ankle um we'll find out more about how serious it is i i um he he sprained his ankle and so we just had to had to move on that the field wasn't the best i don't know if you could tell from watching but it was a slippery surface and there was a lot of sliding and slipping going on on both sides low cut Bermuda to begin with and then it's a dewy night and all yeah. that going you know yeah so um but yeah then Jacob came in and we just kept rolling along we just kept running the football what has Jacob been prepared to do in terms of your offense right now he can run our offense there just wasn't you know I know there were people that wanted me to throw with it but the way people wanted to see him throw but I wouldn't have done anything different with Jaron they couldn't stop the run their quarterback was hot you know he's throwing a lot of completions so the best way to get out of that game with a win was run the football, eat clock, and just keep keep the ball away from them and, and get out of there with a win. And and um, we still got one more touchdown on the reverse. And, and running the football was the right thing to do in that in that uh, second half. And uh, I feel great about the way we did it. Back to Jaron for a second. Uh, Kalani said right after the game, X-rays looked good. You know you've got weeks now till a bowl game, so you'd expect to have them ready to go for that, right? I hope so, but you know these sprains, you never know. I, I will find out more uh, later. I know he didn't break anything. We know that. So, but sprains vary in severity, and sometimes yeah, a, sprain, yeah. a sprain can be anywhere from a week to six weeks, just depending on how severe it is. Is it a high ankle sprain or a lower one? Um, and I talked to him yesterday. He was pretty sore, and uh, we'll see him later today and f see where we're at. Well, it's, a, well it, it's an interesting thing, though, because it's not a lot. It, it's some time, but it's not a ton of time. You've got to figure out whether you've got to switch gears to get Jacob ready to go in the postseason. Yeah, I think our most likely, you know, most likely we're playing in three weeks from, from Saturday is what I'm hearing. I don't know exactly where or who we're going to play yet, but that's the most likely time. So it's not a ton of time to get better, uh, you know, We'll see. Okay. Uh, the fact that you got to end uh, the game on that four-minute, we call it four-minute, but it was longer than that. But you, yeah. that, that's the best feeling when you know what you've got to do to seal it and you do just that. It is. We relish those opportunities. Uh, we talk about it. We practice it. We have a special section of the call sheet You know that we game plan every week for this moment. Four minutes plus left in the game. We have the lead. Let's end the game on the field in victory. 
formation and um, it's a lot of fun when you can accomplish that. It's, it's one of those team things that, you know, I don't know, if it just it's hard to express how much joy the, the guys get out of getting in victory formation and knowing that we just ate four and a half minutes off the clock. Yeah, so true satisfaction. Yeah. When the other team's out of timeouts, you see two minutes and, and you know we can kneel it. Just breaking their will and watching them be helpless is a fun thing to do. That's Football is still a game of, <laughs> of you know, you know, just breaking the other team. Yeah, will. domination. That's, that's it, what it's about, yeah. and that, that was a lot of fun. Let's get to our offensive player of the week, players of the week, because we're going to ID Chris Brooks, who had a tremendous night rushing the football, his best ever night against an FBS opponent, but he didn't do it alone. And so it's Chris Brooks and the O-line on this night. Yeah, I mean, Chris had an awesome game, but we couldn't do it without mentioning the O-line, how well they played. They, they literally uh, graded out as high as I've ever seen an O-line play. I mean, we, we had very few mistakes the whole game, um, and the movement we were getting on their, on their defensive linemen was really impressive. And then Chris, Chris really, he was seeing the, seeing the game, he was seeing the holes, running hard, getting yards after contact, just uh, super proud of him. And I know it was a fun night for him just because he had played at Cal. I think, I think he rushed for over 100 yards against, Cal, or against Stanford last year uh, as well when he played for Cal. So um, he had a lot of confidence going into the game and thought he played great. He was, interestingly, the one main ball carry who didn't get into the end zone uh, on the night. Uh, Hall scored, Rapati scored, and yes, even Puka did it again. Yeah. Uh, Puka's fifth rushing touchdown of the season to go with his five touchdown catches as well. Yeah, Puka's the best ball carrier, <laughs> ball carrying receiver I've ever coached. He, he is, um, he is something else with the ball in his hands. Let's take a look. Let me talk about the play. Yeah, so it was a third and medium. I think it was about third and five ish, and uh, we actually practiced this play as a third down call during the week. And um, it was a it was a check play. If we get the look we want, we're going to run the reverse. If we don't, we check to a check to a pass. Um, and they gave us the look we wanted, so we ran the reverse and. Um, it was perfectly set up by some other things we'd done earlier in the game, and, and uh, guys did a good job executing the play. Really complete win for BYU. Uh, Puka uh, is going to the Senior Bowl. Normally that's a showcase for guys going into the draft. He's got eligibility left, but he was honored on Senior Day. Any sense there with him, or you leave it to him and other guys? to? to... I, I um, you know, we'd love to have him back. I don't know if he's, I don't think he's made a final decision yet. Um, I think he's got good reasons to do either one and so um you know we'll, we'll we'll sit down and talk about that coming up here pretty soon okay and a shout out to coach e who stepped down yesterday yeah i've uh, known coach tuyaki a long time i uh, actually coached him at snow college many years ago my first coaching job outside of being the ga here we've coached together at utah uh, we were together at suu and here and love him love his family and wish him the best okay and we wish you the best in bowl prep and thanks for a great season coach Thank you. It's been, been a fun time. All right. For Coach Roderick and Coaches Lamb and Tuiaki as well, thank you for joining us on the Coordinator's Corner. And go Kooks.